0: I'm Colby Spencer, and this is Vantropolis. This is Vantropolis, a podcast about the happenings, the goings-on, and the general day-to-day life and antics of the underslept masses working in Vancouver's film industry. I'm no expert. I'm just nosy. And if you are too, let's do this. operator's role in the film industry is to essentially set up and position camera equipment and then capture and record all aspects of a scene using principles of lighting, staging, focusing, and filtering to achieve a specific visual look, usually under instruction from the director or director of photography. Now imagine all of that happening, but underwater. Braden Haggerty is an underwater camera operator with 20 years experience in coordinating and capturing compelling, high-quality underwater footage for film and television. She's also a PADI certified instructor and consults on water and dive safety. Born in Saskatchewan, Braden moved to BC at a young age. After graduating from Concordia University's esteemed film production program in the early 90s, she went on to train and work as a camera assistant all the while still working towards underwater as her specialty. She now works exclusively in water environments and has worked on multiple TV series such as Batwoman, Altered Carbon, and Siren, and feature films such as Power Rangers, Mission Impossible, Ghost Protocol, and the Superman film Man of Steel. As you can imagine, shooting underwater comes with its own set of challenges, technological workarounds, and terminology. Brayden and I discussed the specialized requirements for shooting an underwater set, what it's like working in a water tank, and the time she handed a pool noodle to Russell Crowe. You'll never look at underwater scenes the same way again. Here's Brayden. Brayden, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for coming to Ventropolis on a Sunday, no or Saturday, no less.
1: Yeah, Saturday. Yeah, I guess I work tomorrow, so it feels like Sunday. <laughs>
0: I know. And and, like in film, especially the weekend, the almighty weekend is, you know, cherished. You never want to take anyone's time on a weekend, but you're working on a Sunday tomorrow.
1: Yeah. Well, it used to be back in the day when I started, uh, the weekends seemed to be sacred, but that ended about 10, 20 years ago, I think. Yeah. Slow creep, right? And there's a lot of working on weekends, using high schools, and then it just creeped into everything else. Yeah. You're right about
0: that. A lot of stuff needs to be closed to have access
1: hmm exactly, yeah. So
0: did, going back to work, like, have you had a bunch of time off? Because I know, obviously, everyone knows about COVID and film. You know, my husband works in film and six months of covation, COVID vacation. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I definitely had it... a vacation. I <laughs> definitely you? had a vacation, yeah, yeah.
0: And you were away, I think, right, when it all went down?
1: Yeah, I was away with another one of your panelists or guests. Uh, we were in Sri Lanka swimming with blue whales. And uh, when it all sort of got serious. It had, yeah. yeah, it was already in the news, but it, it, that's when it got serious while we were away. So, um, Yeah, it's
0: such a tough call, right? Because, you know, you're out there in the middle of the ocean on an island, it's probably fairly safe.
1: Yeah, I think Sri Lanka got sort of, was a little bit later getting hit with it, it being a real thing. Yeah. Uh, I had also been booked to go to Thailand and while I was in Sri Lanka, that was cancelled. And it was a few days later that Sri Lanka got hit with some I guess visitors um, who had visited the island and were doing safari and and had tested positive for COVID, and so oh, then no. they they cut down all safaris. It wasn't right. a water safari that they were on, but we uh, were in our going to have our sixth of a seven day safari um, with the blue whales and out on the blue water there. Oh, and that's uh, amazing! We showed up in the morning of the sixth, and they said the country, the government, had shut all tours down. So. Well you got to see yeah. a blue whale, I guess. That's pretty bucket list. We did. I got one I got one shot that's my favorite, the where it was where I got close enough and I so I have a tail. I have a blue whale tail. <laughs> that's my
0: You gotta my get the rest next time. Shot.
1: I have uh, a couple other shots that I have a head and a body and a tail. You just have to I put, put them all put together. together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I've done Maybe not tick. the same whale, right? Yeah. I Part- did no, they were the same whale. Were trip, they? So I did a triptych for a friend of mine. They were the same whale, same set of shots, but just what you could get it, it shooting, not shooting, but filming, taking photos to be clear. A <laughs> blue whale's is a, it's a drive-by thing. Um, they're not stopping for you. They're not like I, I believe um, humpbacks, kind of loll about and you can swim about. Or you know some yeah, of the whales yeah. are like that. These ones are they're swimming by and you get them as they're going. It's a one-shot so. deal. You can't go again like film. No. They're not as, they're not as, uh, you know, docile about that. (laughs) Yeah. And they're very interesting because the, one of the guys was telling us they're called blue whale because they kind of disappear into the sea and the water is literally royal blue. Right. The whales, as they go down, they just sort of disappear into the color of that water. They're actually gray, but they become like the water. So I actually have shots where it's, it's, it's almost like all of a sudden the body disappears. So you see, the body coming out of the blue. This is the whale now at depth, and and then it's just gone. It's it's very weird. They probably arrive the same way too, right? You wouldn't know they were coming necessarily. No, yeah, and you probably don't get them coming because you don't know that they're where they are until they've come to the surface. So they're down below. They come to the surface. You look for the blow, the blow, and when they start blowing, they they have about two or three blows. So you see the the, the water coming up in the mm-hmm. sky. That's how the boaters spot That's them. That's how you spot them, right. Then you go over to where they are. But at, once they start blowing, they're getting ready to go down again. They're taking their last breaths and That's then they disappear. So you'll catch them disappearing.
0: That's so magical. And yeah. as you can obviously tell, Brayden is an underwater camera operator. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of being underwater. I mean, obviously this is stills and we'll get into that as well if you sort of found that love as well. But I have so many questions for you today and I know I don't want to take up a ton of your time. So... I'd love to just kick it off. So yeah, you're, you're obviously an underwater camera operator in the BC film industry, and you're spe- you specialize in that. Yes. Um, I would love to know just your, your journey into film, like, you know, you were born in Saskatchewan, and just kind of how you came upon it all as a
1: career. Well, I guess I first started out, and I, I'm not sure why, but I always thought it would be cool to act. Yeah. Just, just not out of any passion as a kid and wanting to be in all the dramas or anything, but just because, you know, watching movies and going, oh, it'd be cool to be in movies, right, as So I'm sure like a lot of us have probably had that at some point. Oh, it'd be kind of cool to be in a movie. Uh, Anyways, once I sort of, so I started out by pursuing extra work and taking some acting lessons. And when I was doing extra work on set, which was, wasn't that often, I would look around and see all these other people doing more, what looked quite interesting, uh, you know, running around and doing stuff while I was sitting there waiting for, to do a cross or something. Anyway. So I thought, Oh, I want to do that. And so I, I decided to go to film school. And um, I think what got me into film school, I went to Concordia in Montreal. It was in the 90s, um, early 90s. And I think what got me in was because I, I did understand camera and a little bit of photography. And I was interested in documentary filmmaking. And they didn't have many people applying that were interested in that angle of it. Right. And so I think that's what helped me get in because I didn't really know much about film. Anyways, I was there for two years and then I did a year... I ended up, well, while I was there, I ended up in camera. I ended up working in the um, equipment room, understood the cameras, which was, you know, not everybody understood the cameras. And back then we were using film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you would see students with this roll of expensive film, 10 minutes, four to 10 minutes per roll. And you just wanted somebody who really knew what they were doing, loading it into the camera and running it through the camera. And that, that I knew. And so I ended up a lot in the camera department on film shoots. And that kind of is what got me started in the camera department. Random Um, question, just about film,
0: obviously mm -hmm. versus digital now. Is it more sensitive in terms of how you're developing it? Like I know when you think of photography and film, what's it like, you know, when you're dealing with film film? It's
1: more precious in that you have so little of it on this big roll. Uh, You can't just roll and roll. Yeah. So, and then you have to put it through all these processes before you know what you've actually got. And at any step in them... There can be damage done. So I right. mean, if, if you took it to the lab and the lab, not that labs did this, but if there was an error in um, development, then you could lose what you have. Whereas when you're shooting digital, once it's on the chip, yeah, there can be a faulty chip or something. Yeah, but, but once you safer. have it on the chip and it's da- it can be downloaded five minutes later by mm-hmm. an on-set tech, a digital technician, then you know you've got it. And now you've got what's on the chip and you've got a backup already on what they download. And they probably make another download. And they're, they're, you just have so many backups. And you know right away if you need to reshoot something. With film, you don't. And the other yeah. thing is with film, you know, it, you, it could be um, when it's being loaded, it could be accidentally exposed to light. If the loader accidentally exposes to light or it can be exposed to scratches in the film magazine. Right. Um, so there's all these places where film can be damaged as well as it's bulky and it's more expensive. You can't see until the next day what you've actually got. Um, Yeah. The whole dailies thing really meant a lot back then. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously it was a system that worked well enough because we'd been making movies that way for all those years, but the digital system certainly opens a lot more doors Yes, and more efficient. But some people make a
0: choice now, of course, right, to shoot on film.
1: Well, I don't think it's very often, though. No. It's few and far between. I, I haven't seen a film camera in years and years. I know there's a couple of special projects out there that you hear about. Yeah. But percentage-wise, I'd say they're very few and far between.
0: Yeah, you just want to sleep at night at the end of the day.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think, obviously, the, the workflow has worked for productions, or they would still shoot film. I yeah. Mean it, and the money. Although now we shoot way more. You know, roll, keep rolling, keep of rolling, course, and of all course. that stuff still has to be downloaded and stored, and yeah. there's costs with all of that. Um, the chips that they use to put in a camera, you know, you have a little card that you put in your film in your stills camera, mm-hmm. and you know, if you want a decently large card, it could be up to two hundred sixty dollars or per card. But you can get ones that are also, you know, sixty dollars, right? If yeah, you don't need a big card, and then you reuse it and reuse it, so that's a lot cheaper. But the cars that they're using on um, film cameras have to record 4K film footage. Right. At those quality. Yeah, large. They're large. And now we're getting into six and 8K. They're very large cars and they're very expensive. Yeah. And you have to have enough cards to cover you through the day because you don't film over those cards until all the backups have been made.
0: Yeah, it's funny with technology, you know. You, mm-hmm. I always think it's more efficient, but in, in many ways, it ends up just being as complicated, really. <laughs>
1: I, yes, exactly. That's you know? how I describe it. To me, it seems just as complicated. Yeah.
0: I, I so haven't that, been in...
1: Oh, go I ahead, was sorry. A camera, I, was just, I was a camera assistant, but I literally, when I stopped camera assisting, I, digital was on its way in and film was on its way out, but very little digital was happening. Yeah. It was like 1%, 2% digital, and I worked on very few digital shows. Um, I I I to think of being a camera assistant now, I I wouldn't even know where to start.
0: Yeah, it's definitely been a shift, and I've heard that with script supervisors as well. You know, everything was paper, mm-hmm. and now it's all downloaded, and you're doing everything digitally, and it's hard to switch over if you weren't there for it. You know, right?
1: Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: that's cool. You got you got the OG, the film, the actual film experience as a camera assistant doing that work. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Sometimes I wish I was a little bit younger, but I'm glad I didn't miss out on that era, and I, I would have had I been younger. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: No, it all adds to
1: experience,
0: right? Yeah. So you were, were you starting to get interested in anything to do with water at that point? Like that was still pretty a straight line just to film and camera.
1: Yeah, no, actually I was interested in water before I ended up getting into the uh, film union here and really pursuing my, my camera career. Mm -hmm. So when I was at school in Montreal, I went to Concordia, as I said, and I had, I did a little project with the NFB that was a, um, where there was this woman, female director of photography. And I'm not sure why, but I had an interest in underwater by then. And I mentioned that to her and she knew us from Vancouver. And um, she said, when I go back to Vancouver to look up a woman here who shoots underwater, um, her name's Pauline Heaton at a company of water visions. And so I did that uh, in the summer that I went back on my summer holiday and I started out working with her and she was an established underwater cinematographer operator here in Vancouver. And wow. sort of got into the underwater that way and then work with her for a few years and then start doing my own underwater operating. Well, you know what I'm loving from this already is
0: all three are women, like you, like, and then two kind of mentors, like all females, which is, you know, film has come a long way, but it wasn't mm-hmm. always that way, especially in these specialized fields.
1: Well, it was interesting because my film uh, cinematography instructor at uh, Concordia was a female uh, was it Mariela Niteslaska or something? I can't remember exactly. And then I had a black male. I, oh, so I did a year as an uh, exchange student in San Francisco for my final year at San Francisco State University.
0: Yeah, And awesome. my teacher
1: was a black man, mm-hmm. cinema, my cinematography teacher. And then the first film, I worked on a film out there who, that was being directed by, of all people, um, the, grateful, the lead of The Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia's what? wife at the time. Yeah. Wow. And, and the DP was a woman. And the and the black, my cinematography instructor uh, at, at San Francisco State put me in touch with her. And so yeah. I didn't, I kind of grown up with, uh, and then the, and there was a woman directing too, I guess, on top of it. So I love to hear that. I kind of entered right into a world that, that said, you know, go and do it. And yeah, that's, yeah. My um, cinematography teacher at uh, Montreal. She said at one point, she said one of the things about why men are people, listen, men are better at winging at it, especially back then. They're, mm-hmm. be, they, they're, they're happy to go at it and before they might know everything, but just go for it anyways. And, and I talk with a lot of women and we talk about how we like, we like to know that we know what we're doing before yes. we say we can do it, whereas the guys just jump in. And really, I feel like in my career, I could have jumped in more in, in a lot of places and would have been fine
0: yeah yeah absolutely. and And yeah. women definitely feel that in all business, right? Uh, yeah. even in interviews, like they say women will you need 90 percent of what's being asked on the job application before you apply. and and yes. for men, it's much, much less,
1: right? Yes. Yeah. so it's an interesting, you know, the way women have been raised to I hope we're we're getting bolder. I try to encourage you know uh, women that I know, just if you want to be a camera operator, just go and be a camera operator.'t do you know don't get lulled into the assisting thing. and if you're good. And you get along with the people and you can do the job, then you can do it. Yeah. we ha- You have to know that there's always going to be people out there who might not like working with women, but then you probably don't want to work with the mother uh, either.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's becoming more and more common as well that that's, you know, there's so many more women on set yes. in all departments, you know, yeah. including lighting, for example, which my husband they, oh, works yeah. in, right? Um, yeah. Which is great to see. And, and you know, he said it hasn't always been that way, of course,
1: right? Yeah. But now I'm lighting, gripping, and I think as I'm hoping that the younger generations that are coming forward and that are growing up with this, will just see it just becoming normal.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what was your first, what was your first kind of day on set? Like, you know, you're, you're, you obviously were done school and came West and, you know, where, when did you start kind of working in film? Like, do you remember?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I actually started working with Pauline first in the underwater. So. So right. what happens here is there's this big union called IATSE uh, 669, which you're familiar with. Yes. It's working. The mothership. So I mean, I, there's the different <laughs> locals, but IATSE is the big umbrella. And then there's locals. So the local for cameras, 669 here in Vancouver. And I applied to work there when I came back home from film school Uh, but before I got in, I was able to get into what they have. is called a training program where they train Mm -hmm. you to be assistant and then you, it's kind of a work your way up the ladder system for most. Yeah. Um, I'd started working with Pauline who would train people who came in and were interested in underwater. And she had a sort of a facility out in Tawasin and she would train people to how to use the housing and then you would be able to come out and assist her and we would get a permit to help assist her on these union sets because there wasn't people in the union who knew how to use her equipment like we did. Right. So my first gigs on actual bigger film sets here in um, Vancouver were actually um, assisting uh, Pauline on underwater sets. In the meanwhile, I was still applying and putting my time in which these days on set would help to to get me into the union and into the trainee program, Mm -hmm. which eventually happened about two or three years into it.
0: Yeah. And there you go. Two to three years, right? I don't think people realize like you don't just finish film school and start on set,
1: you know? Well, actually, you know what, when I, I'm, I'm lying there because I I started with Pauline in 91, but I went to her place on the summers between school. And then I graduated, I came back to Vancouver, and really applied 90 February of 93. And by, Fall of 94, I was on my first trainee program. So it actually wasn't that long. How how would you say the industry was then? Like in terms of,
0: you know, it's huge now, of course, but a little Uh, different then.
1: Yeah, it was pretty busy. Um, Let's see, that was early 90s. I think it was late 90s, early 2000s when it really started booming. Mm -hmm. I I found that I had enough work for me. I still, did I? Yeah, I I quit my day job. I was a banquet waitress and I quit my day job. I'm sure. You're really sad um, right, to do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it was a fun gig actually. There's a movie that just came out called *Bly*, the haunting of Bly Manor, that Roberta yes. and I both worked a lot on. I'm and the opening sequences, it. we worked on the end, but the opening sequences take place where I used to work at UBC.
0: Oh, that's and hilarious! I just, yeah, yeah, yeah. So
1: I'm like, there's my old. That's the- full circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're but like, if um, you need me to jump in, I can. Yeah, but I think I've, I think I found enough work in film to get by. I got into the trainee program quite quickly. I mean, that in that, you know, it took a year and a half, I was almost going to give it up because a year and a half back then seems like a long time now it flies by. And then I was able to get enough work. But I also in 95, I started to get a bit of stunt work too. I was on set and they needed a stunt person for a woman who kind of matched, I matched her height, she matched me, I matched her height and size. And mm-hmm. so I did a stunt for her because there were very few black female performers in town then. Yeah. I, I think really there was me and one other woman at, at the time. The other woman was also getting started anyway. So I was also able to fill in some of the gaps with stunt work. So, wow. So um, different,
0: so different than mm-hmm. camera, like such a much more physical.
1: Yeah, it was. Well, camera's pretty physical. We had yeah, that's big, true. Especially cameras. what you're yeah. doing. It was, Goodness. it was pretty. Yeah. So I managed to get enough. I managed to get enough work between the two. How, uh, that was that's been really fun as well, and I still do it. So it's like going back after COVID. I'm, all my work has been in stunts. Oh really? So yeah. Yeah, I mean, not much. We're, you know, I'm just a bit, but still, there's no water work going on right now.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I was thinking about that earlier before we, you know, joined this call. But you know, for underwater with COVID, it's such a different world. How are they obviously not
1: being able to make that safer, or or do they need uh, to? Right? Like, well, I don't know. Well, as an underwater crew, we, I think we'd be able to manage ourselves pretty well because we're small and fall apart just before. COVID happened, we were, we were very fortunate with our timing with COVID because we had our best run ever, which is a show called Siren, which yes. ran for three seasons, but in the third, and we had a lot of water in seasons one and two, but they kind of block shot, you know, three or four episodes at a time. So we'd have maybe three stints in the year of a, a day or two or three days. With us last year, it started August, 2019, we had a day and episode was dedicated water day.
0: Which so is amazing
1: was, for those that don't realize that, right? Like
0: for television, mm-hmm. a full day to do that is is unprecedented. Really, it shows the focus
1: of water and importance to it for this for that series. Yeah, exactly. It was, and it wasn't a second unit day, which right, means yeah, you're fighting exactly, fighting for everybody's attention. It was a dedicated tank day. It was day, day days one through eight, and then tank day, and that was consistent every single episode. Yeah, you get a really good cadence with that. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good, you know, so there's always prep days and rehearsal days and meetings and a lot going on in between, so that kept us really busy. That took us up till just the end of the year, December, and right crossing over that was Bly Manor. The Haunting of Bly Manor came in sort of right as Siren was ending. We kind of had to juggle a few days mm-hmm. We're sending people here and there, and then we went right into Bly Manor, which had a day and episode for its last, last few
0: well, now I have to watch it to see, even though I'm terrified and I don't want to,
1: Brayden. No, no. Roberta <laughs> says it's really good. She, Roberta's
0: a free diver. She is not, you can't compare my courage with hers. Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> there's no way. Roberta's a badass, and so are you. I'm not, I'm like, I'm a lot wimpier with stuff like that. Well, I don't like core stuff, and it, it's good. It's, it's, it's good, and we're really proud of the water work that we did and the other work that we did because it wasn't just shooting underwater. There was a lot of, there's stuff around a lake. And it, so it was a lot of fun. I got to do some stunts on it, which was really, really fun. One of my favorite little stunt gigs. Um, oh man. I'll watch it without the volume on maybe. Yeah. And it, but we really, I really enjoy that, that production. Those producers have hired me before. And, um, and the stunt coordinator was really, we worked, we had to work a lot with him and he was just fantastic. His name's Gaston Morrison. Yeah. And then same on Siren. We had an excellent stunt coordinator um, Ed Anders that we worked with and the crew, amazing. So both shows, amazing yeah. crews, amazing And that's not always
0: the way, right? We all know
1: that. That's You can get on directors. some garbage stuff, even though yeah. you're doing
0: specialized, you know, a work that's really good for you. Um, you can have horrible antics on set between all kinds of people. And, yeah. you know, people don't really realize that, that I always say on here, you know, a lot of people say it's not so much the show, it's the crew, you know?
1: Absolutely. I, I remember there's a famous book. It's called Camera Assisting, Beginner's Camera Assisting Book. It's a classic that a lot of camera assistants started in my era will have seen. It's purple. And it's so basic. It's like, You'll have some tape rolls on your hip and you'll have a slate. And when the scene's about to roll, you'll put the slate in and clap it down and you'll put (laughs) marks down for the actors, like really ABC. Yes. But there's nothing about personalities. (laughs) And that is actually what the job is. Of course. You'll be like,
0: then the director will start screaming and then someone else will scream at you because the director's screaming at
1: them and you won't know what to do.
0: And you'll have wide eyes.
1: These, both these shows, um, the production managers, um, the, the directors, like j- the actors. I mean, just everybody, yeah. both shows were um, the grip and electric, the gaffers, the, the, the keys, both uh, grip and electric. Just everybody was there when you needed something. And, and so part of what I've made my job because um, I'm an underwater camera operator, but I like to help coordinate the underwater unit because I can see it from every direction. Yeah so for instance in Siren we had to do it was a lot of vis effects so we had to create these virtual spaces so it'd be like okay Braden we've got a, a a ship and inside there's a locker and somebody's hiding on this side of the locker and somebody's hiding in a cage inside of the locker and the actor comes through the door it's a sunken airplane and he's going to come into the fuselage through a door and I have to create that environment out of scaffolding and grip stands and black flags and things like that. And with the help of, you know, the grips would, you know, I'd say, well, the grips, I'm going to need a height, this height mm-hmm. scaffolding, and this height scaffolding and this kind of a base on it. And then this, and we work together um, and with special effects and whatnot to come up with how we could create that environment. Cause I'd have to explain where I need it in the tank. And then we have to figure out the sequence of shooting so that we would do as much as we could with those pieces that were in the pool now given the actors we had and the other shots we'd have to do with that before we would take it out and then move into another sequences that don't require so much stuff in the tank. So yes. it was fun for me because it was a real sort of puzzle to figure out all the pieces one to put together these fake sets and then how we when should we shoot what should we shoot first? What should we, you know?
0: Well, yeah, it's your own little unique set because it's a tank, right? So Mm -hmm. you're building your whole world in there much like you would in a soundstage, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Do you have specialized crew that does, like, so when you speak about grips, you know, do you have underwater grips that need to specifically understand that or can
1: they transfer that work? You do. Yes, I do. Yeah, so we have... We have underwater grips. We've had a, um, there's a fellow that I've worked with for years named Herb DeWall, who's um, got a lot of experience in, in coming up with all the big stuff that we need in the tank. So I'll be like, Herb, we have to do this. And Herb, we have to do that. And he'll be like, well, oh, we can build this outside and we can build this in the tank. And he's really a great communication with the, the riggers, the outside riggers. Right. Um, so I can just tell him what we need and he makes sure it's all the parts and plus are there. And same with lighting. I have a, there's a guy in the waters, underwater lighting guy, uh, Dave, LeBlanc. long, she works with us and, and he'll, um, he'll make sure that we have the lights and work with the lighting people. So um, often when I'm camera operating, the lighting is actually done by a surface DP. Sometimes they'll collaborate with me more, but sometimes they know what they want. Like uh, one of the guys on Siren really liked a lot of the light coming from the surface. Mm-hmm. So he would work, more from that side and then I would have to talk with him about which direction so so that I could tell him well I need to uh, it's best for me to shoot this direction he would be well I kind of need to have something coming in from there and we go okay well let's have a medium happy medium here or okay I understand where you're coming from so I'll move my lights or I'll understand where he's coming and I'll move my set pieces around and these kind of conversations take place
0: so when you're, like, on that point, I have so many questions. So when you're, when you're going to shoot a scene, you've practiced, you've done all that, everything's set up and ready to go. Can you talk underwater? Like, you know, everybody's got radios on set. How does that work in the midst of a shot, you know? Are you, yeah. like, yeah. break that so, down for me. I would love to know that.
1: Yeah, well, what we have is we have these, a, a, what's it called, an underwater speaker, a hydrophone it's called, in the water. So Gosh. there's a radio at the surface, a, a mic, and a, uh, at the surface, that the let's say the first AD, if their first AD is running, let's say the stunt coordinator, because Siren, that's who ran it. So right. the stunt coordinator can speak into the microphone and talk to everybody in the tank. Everybody in the tank hears what they're saying. Right. And then I can I have a video cable that comes from the camera and goes back up to the surface, and, and then I can point the camera to answer questions. Right. That's how we usually do it. There's also you could I could wear a speaker. Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, don't do it very often. Cause it's hard to operate camera. I it would have been really hard to operate on siren cause I was swimming around so much, but you, I, then I could speak back to them as well. Oh, okay. So they could talk and they could just talk to me if they wanted and I could speak back to them, but I we just find the system where they speak to everybody. And then I speak back through the camera works really well.
0: Mm-hmm. Sometimes
1: it would be great if I could talk to them because I just need the actor to move a little bit to their left, and they'll they'll want me to move to my left, and I'll be like, no, I need the actor to move because if I move to my left, then I'm seeing something. Yes, offset. So it gets a little more complicated that way sometimes, but it's just easier to use the microphone and because if I was to have a speaking thing, I'd have a big bigger headpiece on. Right
0: and. Yeah, and on Siren, you probably get a really good rapport and they get used to that. But I would imagine on things that are more one-off for for other films and television stuff, it's a
1: little trickier, you know? You're you're finding your stride. Yeah, sometimes it's been more challenging. But for the most part, that system works really well. And especially with the hydrophone, everybody hears everything. And that is, uh, I I do like that. Because then the director can also talk to the actors when they're performing.
0: Yeah, and everybody can hear what's being asked, so that's you're yes. you're right,
1: that's kind of a good thing.
0: And yeah. I didn't realize when I spoke to Roberta, um, you know, that there's like specialized tank builders. Like, you know, I don't when you watch these underwater scenes, you assume that they're in tanks, but you don't really know like where they're built and how big they are and, you know, are they on their own studio or do you go to a place to do it? Like it's all such a very specific part right. of of that film world, right? Yeah. Um, so so cool. to tell me a little bit about that like for Siren, was it like,
1: you know, how many tanks did you have and, and how did that work? Well, for Siren, we just had one tank and they built a tank this last season, especially this, they, they built a tank that was 48 foot diameter, 16 feet deep. Wow. And that tank lived on the stage for the duration of the, of the series, because it would be pointless to take it down and put it up. All you do is take it down, put it right back up. Yeah. Um, the first couple of seasons, they they put it, you know, we shot every two months maybe. So they they'd tear it down between shoes and then they could use that stage for something else. But we had stage I or H or whatever it was over at the Vancouver Film Studios for the duration of season three. Because then also we had rehearsals in between and things like that. Yeah. So there is a fellow who built that tank. There's there's two guys in town who've built tanks over the years. And they're what they they're look like, um, or they are like those still round water containers. They're circular. Yeah, right. And then they can be built to specification. so it could be a, an 11 foot high. I think the smallest diameter is 24 feet or something like that across. But That's they get big. as soon as well that isn't because as soon as because it's curved. As soon as you, it's unlike a square, which would true. Still, good point. Yeah, you're losing as soon a bit as of that. you come down in your diameter. It's like a big jump. So to go from a 48 foot tank to a 36 foot tank is like a big jump. And right. then I think we got as small as twenty-seven, and th- those now for us is just like, what the heck are we going to do in here? There's like <laughs> no room for anything. So it's challenging as the tanks get smaller, but it right. really, you know, comes down to budget a lot of times. We sh- we shot Batwoman and I remember was that maybe we did get a thirty-six foot tank, but they, we, we we had to kind of fight for it. Yeah, you're probably always um, begging for a bigger one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we bigger is better, and it. it but we can, we can make it work. You, you know, we've, we used to have the... So they make the steel tank and then it's lined with a black rubber. But that black rubber, these tanks are riveted, right? If you think of the water tanks, it's hard mm-hmm. to describe. But it's a riveted tank. So the black rubber sucks to the edge of the tank. So as soon as you shine a light on that, you got shadow. Right. Imagine, right, on the rivets. Mm-hmm. You can't get that black, black. I mean, if you light black up, you're seeing it. So then we found that we found a material. There's a company in town called Best Films. And they make this material that not only is, it sits a little bit off of the rivets. So it's, it doesn't press against the rivets. The same right. way the, the liner does. And it, um, it's a little, uh, absorbs light better. It doesn't reflect it as well. So you don't see it. So we've started lining the pools with this material. And we used to use duvetyne, which would wear out after a while. But they re, in the last couple of years, they came up with something called cinematics. And the, it doesn't get affected by the chlorine. So the blacks in the siren tank sat there for, from August, four months. And they do, there was not nothing. No not deceleration. Advancements, right? No, it didn't. Yeah, it, there was, I mean, that stuff can be used again. I don't know where it ended up. I would have loved some of it. But it's, yeah, so it's this amazing material. So basically, you can even if you do have a small tank as long as you can keep what you're doing off of the wall and light off of the wall you can it's so funny you know, cuz i envision how it kind like of this cheat the deep black <laughs> yeah right well and
0: that's the thing like when you look at these scenes you know it is very like uh, behind the person say they're whatever sinking or falling you know you don't really yeah. think about how big the the what they're in is when it's being shot, and also yes. I think in my mind, which is totally silly, you think it's like this clear glass, like aquarium tank. When you're going to walk into a studio, I mean, I, I imagine the training. You know, some of the cast, much as much as you train in a pool, they come in and see that for the first time, and they're like, mm-hmm. "What did I agree to? What is
1: this?" Yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> right? you're absolutely right, and and we we always we always try very hard to get a day where the actors can come in the tank before. For that very reason, exactly, it's a completely different environment. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it would be right. It's like
0: this this black abyss. It's like no, oh, yeah. it's fine.
1: It's going to be fine. You're going to look amazing in there. Don't worry about it. Well, I did. I did um, a show once where I was actually the water safety, dive safety for this young man on the show called Salutrian, which came out yes, as Alpha. The, yes, the Salutrian. My husband Alpha? worked on that. Well, my husband worked oh. on it. Yeah. Okay. Well, he might remember then that the tank with ice, the ice tank. I'll have think, to ask him tonight. I think it was a 36-foot diameter, 11-foot deep, and it had an ice top. So we put a whole lot of, of safety protocols in because of the, the, the overhead. We never have the actor under the Cop, overhead. Right, right, yeah. And this show, I wasn't able to get to the actor before we were in the tank. Uh, so they had, there was a convincing production to have him train with regular scuba instructors in a swimming pool ahead of time, which we, we usually try to, we, we don't, we're not training them to be scuba divers in the open ocean. We're training them to be scuba divers on a film set, which yes. is very different. So I didn't get him until he was in costume doing a, te- we were doing a test day. I insisted I have to, you know, that we, ha- he has to come and do this test day. Right. It wasn't all the way heated yet. And we had a bunch of looky-loos just sitting around because we were also in the protest of prepping the tank when this poor guy had to come in to do his practice in the tank on scuba. So that was kind of stressful. That was a a situation where he really could have used like a day where it was just him and I and, you know, whatever other safety was required. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I was pretty impressed. He, he did get in there. It was, it, it was a challenge. I was impressed that he even agreed to go in. And other times people have had to get into a car And, um, that's very intimidating. I mean, it it took, I had to, you know, get my nerve up to get into a car. I Mm -hmm. I can, I can do it now. And, but when you're first going into a car, um, you know, I'm used to reg in, reg out. I have the free diving behind me now, but it's, it's a little, yeah, as you can imagine, intimidating. Oh yeah.
0: It's, 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 it's against everything in your body for survival,
1: (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: Go underwater uh, and take this thing out of your mouth, and then just stay down there for a bit.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, you know, you, we're speaking about uh, diversifying and getting more people into different departments. We're always—it's always a challenge finding, like, if we have a black actress in the water, there's there's not a lot of f- black females who do underwater specialty. Like, I would be the first one, but then I, if I'm shooting it, it's I right. can't do both. Yeah, and Exactly. Um, there was a couple times though when we used uh, it was Aboriginal characters Mm -hmm. and we have another guy he builds the pools now but he used to do safety and we both would agree that they've we've seen these guys come in aboriginal guys come in and do these incredible things underwater that we're like where are you guys getting this from because first timers would not do it so one of them was a guy who put a total mask on total costume and sank to the bottom of the pool this was up in the Yukon And his training was like very short and he was, he was amazing. Very few people would have done that. Yeah. And then these other guys, I was out in Calgary years and years ago. I I was there with my, it must've been 18 years ago because my youngest was a baby. These four guys got into this car and they would be in the car and it was a two door. I swear it was a two door. And they swam down. There was no speaker because I came in part way and it wasn't, there was no underwater speaker so nobody could talk to them. And they'd get in this car, they'd take the regs out of their mouths, panic like they were trying to get out of the car while I did a whole panning, sweeping shot around this vehicle, starting on the headlight, coming up, going into the windshield and going around to the side of the car. And they all, I was amazed because it's, I, I. I wouldn't have wanted to do it at that point, you know? No, I see those scenes and get nervous. Like even watching them. Oh yeah, it it was it was pretty. It was very impressive. I was pretty impressed with these guys, and they were they were great. I don't know what they're. I just came in and shot it. They had already been doing the safety thing. Was usually I know everything that's going on, but this was years ago, and it was just shooting it, coming in to fill in for for whatever reason. Right. So So they were amazing they were amazing yeah. yeah you
0: never know right like who's who's got who's got it in them i mean yeah. i'm sure you can teach things but like i'm a panicker you know i don't know if i could ever really fully grasp that fear of being in deep water you know like yeah we won't
1: we won't take you down there no we'll no we'll do little shallow fun <laughs> things with you yeah.
0: no i'll just talk about it instead on dry yeah. land um, so yeah. you have there's obviously safety people in those tanks right like like divers yeah. like scuba divers mm-hmm. And yes. they're, w- they're waiting in the wings if anything goes wrong or if someone panics, like they're obviously there to help, right? Yeah. So we have um, the
1: scuba divers and we have Roberta usually.
0: Right. Which is great. Yes. So we have,
1: which, which is Roberta's there. She's an eye, ears, nose. <laughs> she deals with all that stuff. But yes. so every, every single person who's under the water on scuba has to have a designated diver who's on scuba with them. Right. So that's a one-to-one basis. We avoid the overhead situations. I don't know how that car thing happened a long time ago. So I don't know if we. Well, it was the Wild West, right? Things have changed so much. I don't know if we get away with that now. You look at some of the stunts
0: now back in the
1: 80s movies and you're like, what in the hell is this? Oh, yes. Yeah. Some of the cowboys. I got to go out and do some (laughs) stuff on a a cowboy set. That that was really fun. I'd never been on a cowboy western before. Yeah. And I got to play double the stagecoach, Mary, I think was her name. And she was. uh, the black stagecoach woman who comes into town for the first time. So all the extras are looking at her. So we ca- I come over this rolling, beautiful, rolling green hill in the stagecoach. There's a guy driving it blind. So a guy who knows how to run the horses is right. kind of working sort of, it sounds bad, but between my legs, he's got wires and I'm yeah. holding the fake straps, come down into the town and ride through the town and then throw some mail off at the mailbox and come up down to the saloon and jump off the stagecoach and it was, I don't know why I was talking about It was a wild Alberta. It was, it was so beautiful. I mean, yes. just gorgeous, wild west That's, set. That was for Hell on Wheels.
0: Amazing.
1: That, yeah, that was a, a really amazing day. Oh, but that, the reason I was talking about that is talking to the cowboys. They've yeah. got some wild stories about the stuff they've done. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I
0: yeah. know. I know. It's much, much safer now with everything all across Mm -hmm. the board. Um, Mm -hmm. you, did you also work on, uh, what was the one with Kate Winslet?
1: The mountain between us? I did. What was that like? It was really fun. It was now that was a very funny little tank, teeny little tank. I'll tell you one of the really coolest things about that is I worked with Mandy Walker was the DP. Yeah. So she was really cool. Crew really respected her. She's, do you know her? no she's a she's a very well-known australian dp and she does the big big shows so she's one of those women that's sort of idolized and she's a really wonderful woman to work with and they were a great crew but we we used the tank that they used was in this they had built their stage in this where they were doing every other stuff too it wasn't just the underwater but they happened to be a, a place where they test engines and oh. so they've dug a hole in the ground. It was only seven feet deep. I think it was a, a, like deep as in depth to the bottom. Right. And it, was, had a weird, it had a weird slant into it. And I think the actual floor that was flat, because there was this slant, Yeah. was only seven feet across and seven, 10 feet wide. It was very small. But it was just that part. I don't know if you saw the mountain between us, but there's a part where she dips under the ice. and then. Yes, yes, I have. Head. Yeah. Yeah. So they didn't need a huge set. Right, we, we did do an interesting cheat to get her full body in the shot because because it was a small set, but Mandy Walker had a way where we, we did one shot vertically and then they built the sides. So right. I dutched the camera. She had to explain it to me a couple of times because I was like, oh, okay. What's dutching what the camera? So I, I tilted the camera. So instead of shooting, well, I shot it like you, we take most photos on our iPhones. Oh, okay, so yeah. So if I was taking your picture instead of using my iPhone horizontally I would have done it vertically right and then they did plates for the two sides right so that was and so that one wide shot of her is actually three shots put together ah so cool yes which was what meant was Mandy's call to 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 make the set wider and then we did the close-ups so that was just in and then it was also there was a big to keep it dark there was a big black that was in the sky so there's this slanted area a big black Above the tank, and right. then the ice and the surface side of it. So we couldn't actually see the crew. We would lift up this little black wall <laughs> little and look out. And I'd speak to the Kate, and the <laughs> AD, and the DOP through this thing. It's quite funny. Sometimes you uh, pinch yourself, right? You're like, but, "What? Um, this is
0: amazing! What am well, I doing I, I guess I was
1: probably pinching myself because I was working with Kate Winslet, who was love. She's a lovely woman.
0: Yeah, yeah. well, and yeah. I and yeah. I thought too, like obviously Titanic. She would have had a lot of
1: underwater, you know, there was water stuff there, so maybe she was more familiar than some, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And she she wasn't really in there very long. And then I was, re- I mean, my biggest thing was the guy who had to lift her out. She had to lift her out of this asshole, So you. Worry about her back getting hit on the right. back wall, but this young kid—he was doubling Idris. This, this young kid—he's really a, a really nice guy. I, I didn't really meet him that day. I met him later, but he just reached in and every time he just yanked her like like <laughs> he must like Hercules, right? Out yeah, of there. So,
0: you don't yeah. want to mess that up. Well, it's yeah. funny too. I was going to ask about you know like do you get starstruck? You know like I I said to Roberta, um, who everybody has to listen to that episode because Roberta and Braden are two peas in a pod. They're basically a powerhouse unit and you can't, it's illegal to listen to one of these episodes if you don't listen to the other one. It'll all make sense. Oh, but Roberta was saying, you know, I said to her, it must be such an equalizer. Like no matter how big a star is or how important the scene is, like she's got control of that situation. She is the safety and, and the order within that underwater world, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, so it's funny. You can, you know, be starstruck or be like, wow, this is a Hollywood film. But like in that moment underwater, it's just, it's all about safety. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and getting that shot, and and you know, it's not like lollygagging on a on a you know living room set, for example, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's interesting because you, I, you know, people say who who have you worked with? It's famous, and you, you can't really come to mind. But actually, I guess um, a listers, I safetyed uh, Tom Cruise once. Ah. And, um, you know, we worked on the Ryan Reynolds film, and I, I had to teach the woman who plays his wife, the the Deadpool, I had to teach her to, some of these scenes didn't make it in the movie, but I taught her how to, to be on scuba. She had to sit in a set that was underwater, and she wasn't really a water person. And, it, and. As with all of them, I think sometimes you just know, I think the most important thing is understanding who they are. I guess, you know, I dragged Russell, not dragged Russell Crowe, but I, I had to swim Russell Crowe around the pool for for Superman as well. I did more, <laughs> I like more drag. safety Drag's, for those ones. Drag gives me a better visual. You know, I'll, I'll say swam because he was really he was really good about it. I, well, actually, it was funny with him because we just started using these pool noodles. We used to use life jackets for, if you can imagine, you know, you, you know, the actor does their scene and they come to the surface of the water and we either have a place for them to stand or they rest on something that can float them. And we used to do, just use life jackets. Yeah, They were kind of awkward. And then once, I don't know who it was, but somebody figured out, well, let's try pool noodles. And this was Superman and it was a Russell Crowe. And I just thought we were just starting to use this. And I thought, oh, he's going to look at this and go, this is ridiculous. You know, because you're just <laughs> thinking, right? He's a big star. Anyways,
0: yeah.
1: I took him a pool noodle expecting to go, what's this? And he goes, he takes it, puts it under his arm, and rests on it. He goes, "This is perfect." And yeah, I was exactly. Like, oh, okay, and it was great because then I also had. We don't usually have this on set either, but a bay watch, the orange bay watch, or you know, the orange floating. Yeah, the little boat. So thing. I would ha- then then he would be floating on the pool noodle. He'd have an arm free, and he would grab one end of that, and then I would pull him around the tool, uh, pool from the other end. So I never had to take his hand or anything. You know what I mean? Like, like right? I have to. I could give him his space. Yes. But, um, but he was, he was super friendly anyways, but, um, and then another time we worked with, uh, this was doing safety again. This is, uh, back mission protocol or something, ghost mission ghost protocol. Was, yeah. I had an yeah, yeah, yeah. AD on here from that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I ended up, we went into this and the guy who makes the pools who was doing safety back then, he was in charge and I was the safety, he was the safety. And he said, okay, you'll be with Tom Cruise and I'll be with Tom Cruise and you'll be with Jeremy Renner who was the other character in that underwater sequence. Yeah. And so um, Tom and Jeremy show up, and they hop in the water. And Tom just looked at me. It didn't matter. He just looked at the closest person and said, give me a mask. And so I I gave him a mask because we have a mask for them. And he took the strap out and put it on his face. And so Jeremy did the same with a mask from John. And then I was just ended up being with Tom because it was just the first connection. So you're like, okay, I guess I'll... (laughs) I'll be doing this now yeah and um but you just you you know that you're bringing your a game and it was great yes. Beside work with john enough the other safety that we didn't have to talk about what we were, we just knew what had to be done and we were going to be in the right place at the right time so when you're working with um someone who's newer and less comfortable about being in the water you use a lot of discussion about you know i'll go down first and then right here and then i'll be right here and when you're ready call for the rig and da 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 and we've probably done a little bit of a Uh, we will have had to because it's a work safe requirement we will have done a little session with them to see that they can work on scuba
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but when tom and jeremy came in it was like here's a mask and he goes follow me and we're going underwater and you're just we were able to work together john and i you you just know we just knew what the other person was going to be doing and and everything that was in line and your a game's there and you know that you're handling it a little bit different yeah,
0: those are and big stakes, fine. right? I mean, everybody matters, of course. But I mean, yeah. you're like, I'm just swimming around here with Tom Cruise. Like, I hope everything goes well.
1: <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Right? Yeah. But he's such and, a daredevil,
1: right? He loves doing well, his own stuff, right? He, that was the thing is. I would, he, but you know what? I'll tell you. He was the, one of the most respectful underwater people that I've worked with. Every time I gave him his regulator, he always gave me the okay sign. Like he was really professional. Right. Like he was, he was re- very good. Like he was professional to me too. Yeah. Like he that's gave always back nice as well. to hear, yeah. right? Like. Yeah. like That's what you hope
0: for, you know, especially underwater where the stakes are a bit higher. It's a little bit more stressful, right? Yeah. Um, I I was supposed to ask you about altered carbon. I asked Roberta about this too, and it was quite funny. The opening sequence of altered carbon. I was so excited when that came up. That was so big. I said to Roberta, that was such a top secret thing here. Like People were not allowed to even talk about it. You know, that we're oh, working really? on it, right? No, they had like the fear of oh. God in their face. They were like, no, we can't talk about it. Like oh. Netflix was insane with that one uh, for whatever I, reason.
1: Hmm. I don't yeah, know it, if I knew that. If I remembered that,
0: no, and you probably didn't feel that way. Well, maybe, yeah. That's I, I don't know, but I, I uh.
1: probably knew. I, you know, I, I certainly wouldn't have shown any photos or anything like that. You know what I mean? I, I'm very careful. I mean, we're very, very, very careful that way.
0: Yes, and so and we they do can be quite yeah. strict, right? With them, um, yeah,
1: we're quite respectful. I mean, I I can only tell you now that there's underwater and Bly because it's out. That's right. You know exactly. what I mean? We weren't yep. even talking about it before. No. Um, Altered Carbon was definitely, that was one of my favorite days um, on set. Really? Um, yeah. We worked with, we, I think we covered about four episodes worth of underwater work. They weren't like as, they weren't using as much underwater in each episode as we were in Siren. But they had, I mean, it was significant. I mean, and I didn't know it was going to open with that shot. So that shot. That must
0: be so rewarding when you see that. Well, it
1: was too, because I had not known of Joel Kinnaman before that. But now he's one of my favorite actors when I've seen him in other stuff. Yeah. But anyways, it was just, we had a set. We had a DOP director, first AD, two sets of those. Because they were doing different episodes. And both sets all three people who are key in making sure the day goes well Mm -hmm. were excellent like just some of the best that I've ever worked with you know the the AD were both magnificent the directors were both fantastic and I think if I'm not right I think one of those directors did a lot of Game of Thrones one of my best friends happened to be an at the actress the girl who falls from the sky yeah happened to be one of my best friends and is one of my go-to stunt people she's actually a stunt person but she's an actress as well yeah and so she was a stunt actress in that one and so she is one of my go-tos and I remember going into the meeting for that for Altered Carbon and the director goes pulls up a thing you know there's like 30 people and he goes this is the woman that we're thinking of using for the the underwater stuff and I'm like oh my gosh that's like like one of my best buddies and she's my first go-to when we have underwater stuff and he's like oh perfect that's going to be excellent so awesome so that was really fun but we Yeah. I I taught Joel how to be on the free regulator the day before by fluke. I gave him his one, two, three, even though I was shooting it on how to be on a regulator. I think the day before we shot and he was like, okay, yeah, mm -hmm." we're just standing in the water on the scaffolding and, and I go through it. And then he goes, okay, I'm good to go. And then we put the regulator in his mouth and hung him up like he was, you know, that shot where he's floating. Yeah, which was just tying his hands in strings and everything. I don't know if Roberta <laughs> went through the whole thing with you.
0: No, she didn't tell and, me that. But. Yeah,
1: so she had to put his hands and stuff in strings, and then he'd have the regulator. Fortunately, in the sequence, he's breathing off of a regulator because he's supposed to be breathing. He's right. just nurturing, so he was able to keep the regulator in his mouth. We did the same thing with the Superman guy, Henry Cavill. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did the same thing with him. I met him. Go here's a, here's a regulator. It goes in your mouth like this. Blah 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 blah. And then we're now we're going to take you out here and tie you up upside down like that. <laughs> Only we're going to take the regulator out of your mouth. While yeah, do this,
0: and you're going to act at the same time. Cool. Well,
1: that one he was just floating. I don't know. You know what? I, we I think we actually
0: used Henry. You probably try to as much as you
1: can within reason, right? Well, but I think we were on his back. I'm trying to think. Why did we use Henry? And then maybe because he turns around and swims down. There's an explosion anyway. Right. Uh, And they were both really good. They just picked it up like that and, and did it. So, but it's really fun that with Joel, because now since then I've seen The Killing, which is funny. Also, we shot Altered Carbon and that night Roberta went home and was watching The Killing and she's watching The Killing and she goes, Brayden, I'm watching the show and it's really good. You should watch it. And so I look up, she goes, the actor looks so familiar to me. And I look it up and I'm like, (laughs) it's <laughs> a guy from ultracarbon. I said, "It's Joel from Altered Carbon." She's like, "Oh, right." But she was so busy safetying him. Anyways, I've seen him in other stuff, and I just think he's he's so good. So it's kind of fun that way.
0: Yeah, too. and then
1: amazing that, that whole all of those shots and all of that stuff, Altered Carbon was just a really fun day, and, and we did it all in. A, we had a short day, got a ton of work done with everything being calm, nobody yelling, nobody screaming. I remember at one point somebody had to get out to go to the washroom and the idiot goes, Oh, okay. Everybody take a five minute break. We're going to wait and we'll all get back in the water together when it's safe. And that just doesn't happen. Right. People are trying to hold it or everything, you know, we got everything done and it was pleasant. And I remember sitting with talking with the crew at the end of the thing out at the day out in the parking lot and going, that was a really nice day. And everybody's going, yeah, it was a really nice day.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You remember those because there's a lot of hard days, right? The good days stand out. Yeah. We're almost out of time, but I want to ask you two final things. One is, do you ever shoot in open water? So this is all tank stuff. You know, Roberta had mentioned, it's usually just for people jumping in or falling in and then it cuts, but just tell me very briefly about that, about shooting in open water or if you do.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I have done some shooting in open water. Um, well, yeah, back in 2005, we did a really good one out open water, which was, uh, it was called the Kraken Tentacles of the Deep, a bee movie. Yeah, with a famous bee actress. And uh, we went out and did five days up uh, in Egmont, up the coast, and we worked off of this ship. We, we, we had, well, we just had, we did, everything was open ocean, and some of it was on this ship. I scouted it ahead of time, and it was, it seemed like the best place for us to do what we were wanting. We were like, we could be at potentially 60 feet, but the deepest we'd have to do is maybe 80, maybe a bit deeper. Wow. And then there was a bunch of other locations around to do some of the other stuff we had to do. We did open ocean, like somebody swimming in, a scuba diver swimming in the open ocean and getting attacked by a, um, a, a tentacle of a kraken. So he'd be swimming, there'd be a rope on his leg and then somebody would tug the rope and he'd pretend to attack, uh, be attacked. And then he'd have to spit, he would go down as a scuba diver with a little packet of oatmeal, ketchup stuff to look like vomit. Huh, oatmeal check. ketchup, I love he it. He would put that in his mouth and then the, the attack would happen and he spew it out. I, I don't even, I, I'm thinking back to it now. I don't know how we actually did these things. I was really impressed because of the dive regulations in British Columbia mm-hmm. and working open ocean, all of the people who worked on the, this sequence out open ocean had to be um, occupational divers so what I did is I looked at who the characters were and we had to um, then choose divers from our crew that could double these people right so for there was two bad guys and what we did is is the director because we planned ahead of time the director just cast two of my guys as my guys but you know two of the dive team as the bad guys which was great fun for them because they got to do some surface stuff where they were so they were the sidekick bad guys, you know, standing in the background acting tough. And then they got to do their own stunts in the water. Um, We had a really tall uh, Herb DeWall, who's our main grip guy that I mentioned before, is really tall. And there was a really tall bad guy. So he doubled him. Another woman who is the the Bridget of the the early Roberta. Her name is Bridget. I always call Roberta when I'm thinking about Bridget and Roberta. But before Roberta came to it, Bridget was a, a dive person. She doubled the woman. And it it just went on like that. Oh yeah, and then we had one other diver who was a special effects diver who was perfect to double the the lead male because there was five of them. And we went down and did this uh, this whole crack and attack and bad guys attack sequence on on the Chaudiere up uh, up in Egmont. That was five days. And um, when we originally, so part of that about the organizing was because now we're diving deep. Mm -hmm. Uh, deeper we have so much time per dive and every dive we had a lot of shots to do it sounds like five days is a lot but we only had three dives per day Mm -hmm. and we only had a certain amount of time per dive not like in the tank where you have all this communication and all this time to do these shots we would have these are all the shots we need and we have 20 minutes to do them and we're at depth so the director had hoped to not come on that that thing But I knew that we needed him to come to tell us we have the shots. So we hooked up the speaker, the hydrophone in the water. He had a monitor and I was always hooked up to the monitor by a cable to the camera. And he could see what we were doing and he would talk to us. And he was also able to help orchestrate the positioning. So I remember the very first shot we did, for instance, was my friend Bridget and the lead guy are in the hull of the boat of the ship. So they, they're tucked inside this hole and the, the ship's on its side. It's on the side. They're tucked into this hole. The three bad guys line up just behind that hole to camera. And then the camera's on the other side. And then on action, what happens is the two people are coming out of the hole and the three bad guys start to chase them and start to shoot at them. Oh man. no And pressure. I'm looking at this when I look back at it, I'm like, wow, we, we did this. So the guy, the, the director, we all line up. When he can see that we're all ready, Braden, are you ready? I shake up and down.
0: Yeah. And then he'll
1: go action and the two people come out of the ship and then the three bad guys chase them, And then we did cutaways of the arrow being shot at them and, and all, I mean, I, I don't even. And this is open ocean. This is open ocean. Like a seal could just come by. A seal could just come by. <laughs> But what happened is, but the worst than the seal could just come by is that we could have no visibility. True. Yeah. And I'm telling you that God shone on us because we had this incredible visibility. You lucked out. So when out. I think back to it, I don't even know if I really realized at the time just how lucky we were. But whenever I think back to it, I'm like, wow, we were so lucky with the viz.
0: Yeah. And that's, that's amazing to do all that in open water, you know? But is yeah. that just, why is that a choice? That's a choice, clearly. It was, it was low budget low no budget so it's no like budget. let's go to the real I mean, deal
1: on a, exactly on a, any a big budget show they would have built a fuselage in, right and then done cg and blah 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 oh man and all these things but it was a it was a great experience it was a lot of fun but it was uh yeah it was quite something and then faking you know and then we had some other sets that were uh not open ocean but we, we had we had some pretty funny stories on that one for sure
0: well, I don't think anyone's going to look at underwater scenes the same now after this episode because it's just—it's eye-opening of of the complexities, the choreography, the training, the prep, and then your magic behind the camera.
1: You know, yeah. uh, well, what a different world! If you can get if you can get that prep in, I mean, I I really feel my my philosophy is it's is really about if you can get as much out of your actors as you can, make them as comfortable as possible, so that we can really believe that it is them underwater, um, mm-hmm. which is getting them as much underwater as you can, then the, I, I think that, because that's how we tell the stories. The stories are told by the story itself and the actors. And the rest is us just, I believe, supporting that. Because if you don't have a story, you don't have good acting, you don't have a, a movie. And, if, and so to me, I love that challenge. And that was part of bringing Roberta into the whole mix the challenge of making actors comfortable. And it was perfect timing when Roberta came back because she had been living abroad. And then she also got her freediving teaching and, and the level that she has now with the instructing and all that. Yeah. Came when we were shooting a movie called, a, a movie called Power Rangers fell in our lap. And yeah, when just I got fell power, in your lap, just Power well, Rangers. Well, it, it, <laughs> it did because I didn't, I mean, I got called into, audi- uh, not audition, interview, which very rarely happens. It's usually word of mouth. right. So I go in for an interview for this show called Shirt and there's this DP named Matt Lloyd and he starts explaining Shirt to me, which turned out to be Power Rangers, which had this big, complicated underwater sequence. And I just had all these ideas right away, which included introducing Roberta and the freediving element to train the actors because a lot of what they had to do, we didn't want to see bubbles And so when you introduce the scuba, there's all kinds of bubbles. And we were using the undersurface as a glass, as a mirror. Yeah. Turn the image upside down. So it looked like they swam. I saw that scene. It's amazing. So um, it was brilliant because we set up to, um, we had the five actors, five step doubles. And Roberta took them through all the free diving and breath hold and ears, eyes, nose, which is a big part of everything when you get into the 16 foot tank. And then I work with them on scuba. This is all training in a pool. No, oh, you know what? They ended up a regulator was only taken once on one shot. All of wow. it was done breath hold. All of it. That's impressive. And yeah. Yeah. A little bit of getting, I had to get a few nooks and crannies out on the first, first beginning of the first day, but um, that was really fun. And that was a lot of organizing that one, a lot of underwater, more coordinating, especially on my end. And uh, that one kind of really put me on the map more, I think, as, oh, okay, Braden can do bigger jobs and help coordinate. And,
0: and you can actually kind of Google stuff. that. That scene is online. So I Googled it and watched it. So I oh, encourage really? you guys to watch. Yeah, I just Googled oh. like underwater Power Rangers and it came up. Um, oh, okay. Which is so nice to be able to pull that up and just see that scene and be like, Wow. Right. And I didn't think about it being a mirror. You're right because he kind of goes at it like vertically, and and it looks infinite, or you know, and and yeah. of course, yeah, he's going down, and then you just flip it. That's, yeah, um, genius. Yeah, I feel like we could talk forever. I say this about mm-hmm. everyone because you know mm-hmm. I just I'm I'm very nosy about it all. But well, there's
1: um, tons of film stories, oh, right? I know it's interesting,
0: and that's what I oh. love. I love the stories.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It was it was funny. I joked with Roberta because you know she loves the water and film happened to lead her to film because of the water but the difference between roberta talking about water and talking about set is night and day you know she right. talks about set and she talks about film and then she talks about water
1: oh yeah
0: right and and i, and I said i can tell immediately where your love is right your love yeah. is water it just yeah. happens to be in film um so that was That's, a really neat thing to observe from her yeah. you know
1: well it's kind of it was it's been it's been really neat that we, we are very close that way. Actually, we, we joke because we never go out for dinner or go to movies or blah, blah, blah. we we always hanging out. We're going to the water. Yeah. Like we swam the other day. We went for a swim and it's, boy, she's, she's got the cold water thing down. I, I lasted 36 minutes and she's like, that might have been too long for you. And she kept going while I was oh up in the car goodness. with the heat on getting changed. And she's still swimming around. <laughs> uh, which Even 36 funny. minutes is unbelievable. I mean, that's where I'm headed now. I'm
0: I know. I, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. like you're getting out there for your, for your, uh you know, like she says, it's like her meditation, right?
1: Yeah, I'm getting out there because I want to look cool to the other stunt coordinators. <laughs> you already are cool. Spoiler alert. No, I don't know. Yes, you are. But actually, it's been nice because the having the water specialty and I, because I have that stunt background and now I feel like I have, that's my little stunt specialty is yes. the water specialty and a lot of the coordinators now you know, they get, they get stunt water stuff and they'll call me and say, what, you know, where do I do? What do I do? Often I send them to Roberta or I'll be able to help them out. And that's been yeah. really special actually, because they, they are a part of my film family as well. So I've got camera, I've got Marine and I've got, uh, the stunt community and it's, it's, uh, it's been really nice.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, congratulations on an amazing career and more to come. I mean, thanks. you know, there's still lots of time for you to, uh, <laughs> to To well, hang out with Tom Cruise in a tank. You I better know? keep
1: going. Yeah, you yeah, better I keep better going. Keep not not dawdle at it though. There's oh. time, but not dawdle time.
0: Well, that's true. You know that it's like that's what they say. You're not getting people to people. Like start today. You know, like you don't yeah. have forever, but just start today. Yeah, and it's okay to start today. And and you know, it's never too late, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for your time today. I absolutely well, adored it. And I really appreciate you stopping by uh, no worries. to be a guest today. Thank you again, Brady. No worries. Thanks for making it fun. Thank you. If you want to learn more about my podcast, you can go to vantropolispodcast.com or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also leave me a review on iTunes, subscribe, or share it with someone you love or don't love. Just share it.